Disclaimer, this podcast is not to be a substitute for individual therapy. If you need assistance, call 911 if you're in the U.S. or any emergency phone number. If you need help, if you feel depressed, anxious, reach out to someone. This podcast is for educational or entertainment purposes only. Thank you. Hello, social workers, mental health professionals, and change agents. What's going on? This is Bass Moreno. Welcome to another episode of the Social Work Rants Podcast. Can't believe this is episode 17 already. Uh, thank you, everybody who has been listening to the podcast from all over the world, wherever you are listening to this podcast, however you're listening to this podcast. I truly, truly appreciate it. You can find the podcast on Instagram at the social workers rants podcast. That's all one word. You can follow the page, the podcast on Twitter at social work rants. Uh, both pages are growing organically beautifully. It has been an amazing journey this past year. Uh, no, loving the process. It's only going to continue. And again, I want to appreciate Every single one of you who have been listening to the podcast, uh, this season of thanks and, and giving, and I want to give thanks to everybody that's take, taking their time out to listen to the podcast and hopefully continue to listen to the podcast. We are going for the rest of 2020. Every single week, I'm dropping a brand new episode um, I had posted it on my IG stories of the updated schedule. So starting to Thanksgiving all the way through to the end of 2020, dropping a new episode every single week. Check it out. This is your time to binge through the entire, uh, I guess, catalog of the podcast so far. Uh, so by the time uh be done, it's like, 20 about 20 21 episodes uh who would have thought it started this year or at the end of 2019 i'll i'll have like 20 something episodes in at the end of 2020 so it's a, a beautiful thing and i wanted to shout out my boy james lopez at, at fatherhood is lit and also uh, the good people at earn your leisure they're the ones who inspired me to even do this podcast, so I am thankful for them to, um, you know, how easy it is to get started. I've had people uh, hit me up like, hey, how, how'd you start the podcast? And I've had people mention, you know, um, you know, you inspire me to, I'm going to start a podcast next year, 2021, and to hear that, uh, that's uh, not beyond words i really uh, appreciate that um before uh, i get started uh with my uh, conversation i had uh, recently a few weeks ago with uh miss Catherine moore licensed clinical social worker from california i wanted to take a time out to talk about since we in the holiday season uh seasonal affective disorder um you know it's a type of depression relates to changes in seasons um, usually begins and ends around the same time every year. Um, a lot of people um, associate it towards like the end of the year, you know, with, uh, oh, I don't have such and such in my life, uh, whether it be passing away or a divorce or separation, and I'm not spending the holidays with that person, whoever that person is. For myself, it's my first holiday season. Uh, without my mom, so uh, you know, recently it's been a a, a little tough to uh, be perfectly frank, and you no, know, I make no uh, no no bones about uh, you know my feelings and stuff like that regarding my mom on the podcast. Uh, each episode, as you see the progression of the podcast, is basically a story. So you got to listen one after another to really kind of. You can't start with like episode 15 and then like go back. So it's, I try to do that you no know, purposely. So, you know, while you wait for your food on Thanksgiving and leftovers, Black Friday, if you're going to do Black Friday shopping, uh, 
by all means binge on on listening to the episode shameless plug so going back to seasonal affective disorder you know know, christmas is around the corner no i'm not i'm not gonna have my um my mom i'm not gonna get a call uh saying merry christmas uh or mom try to hit me off with a christmas card and try to put some like twenty dollars or at least twenty dollars in a card or something like that so you know i've been thinking about her a lot uh recently especially since the the last episode uh, uh, dropped. So, you know, that's going on. So it, it can happen any point of, of the year. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, the summer from... Uh, summer's difficult for, for me too um, uh, with the uh, loss of uh, Max's wife and try to keep her memory alive for... for my two kids and you know, the loss of their mom so at least you know in a way we got that in common and I tell them all the time you know your mom's your guardian angel she's looking down over you that she's always in your heart so I keep her memory alive and you know, this year will make like four four years uh, four Christmases uh, without their mom so you know, we got that in common and just me being there with them, uh, caring for them and still enjoying Christmas. You still, uh, you still gotta live life. Um, you still gotta push through somehow, some way. Um, you know, this year has been difficult with, you know, quarantining with the virus. And all we could do is take one day at a time. If you feel like you need to talk some to somebody, Please do. There's therapists out there doing, you know, telehealth. Uh, purposely, when I do the uh, Social Work Spotlight series, so many so far that I've interviewed and those that are coming up uh, on the following episodes are taking you know, new, new clients, you know, doing great work in the field. Uh, Google, you know, the Psychology Today. Look up therapists if you need to talk to somebody. And know the holidays are not the greatest uh, time for you by all means. Please reach out to somebody. You know, I, I recently uh, lost a uh, old classmate of mine. Uh, so, you know, life is short. Uh, call your loved ones. Tell them you miss them. Tell them you love them. You love them. I got to do that, you know, myself. Uh, so I, I got to take my own advice as well. I haven't talked to uh, certain family members in a while. So um, by all means, life is short. Do what you got to do. Reach out to somebody. And now at, after this message from Anchor is my conversation with Catherine Moore, LCSW from California. Yeah, right, right after this message. Hey, Bass. How are you? Hey, Catherine, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. Um, so, so yeah, uh, you know, I've been following you for, for a little bit on Instagram and also on LinkedIn. You've been doing, you know, amazing work. I see, uh, checked out, been checking out your website. A lot of great stuff, like great content. Also, your podcast is amazing as well. I was listening to the last episode. Uh, I got to finish it. So, the great, great stuff. Definitely, uh, the one about money is definitely uh, hits a nerve uh, with me. So, we are severely underpaid, and there's no reason for many of us to have two or three jobs in the field, especially with uh, many of us with the credentials that we have, just to uh, you know pay bills and. You know, and live so definitely a great great episode and I hope everybody checks that out yes thank you I know it's uh strikes a nerve with me too because we are so educated like social workers as a profession we have our bachelor's degree at minimum and then we have most of us have our master's degree and coming into the marketplace for people who have master's degrees 
social workers are on average underpaid like $10,000 compared to other industries who also have their master's degree. And I mean, that's a lot of money. You figure $10,000. And then if you multiply that by your working lifetime career, that's going, I don't know, say you work 50 years, right? I mean, that's an extra $500,000 that we are just missing out on and leaving on the table just right there. So um, yeah, I definitely think there's work to be done. And I, the first step is just to acknowledge it and, and talk about it and get it out of the shadows. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the uh, the expression of no, we're, we're not in it for the money in the social work field has to, we have to get rid of that so, somehow, some way. And, you know, it, it starts with us as individuals and just the NASW as a whole and, and everybody in the field in general really needs to get out of that you know, mentality because, you know, now every state is different and the cost of living is, is going up, you know, New York, California, all, all these big states, you know, it's really, you know, ridiculous. And a, a lot of people are moving out of those big states. So, you know, people are just trying to survive. And with COVID going on, it, and it, it's, it, it really is a lot. Yes, there's so much. There's so much. Because uh, you're in New York, right? Yeah, the, I actually uh, just moved out of New York, uh this past Monday, when by the time I released, I released this episode would be like over a month since uh, I moved. But yes, I just moved out of New York uh, in in uh, Delaware. Uh, so that that was actually a 2020 goal, and even despite COVID, I, I still made the move. So hey, good for you. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um. So um, tell tell me. Well, um, no, I, I see you have a what's called a clinical essential assistance for a future therapist. Can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, sure. So your audio went down a little bit, but I will definitely talk about that. So I, let's see, I guess I'll backtrack. So I've been licensed for a, over a year now. And after I got my license, I was looking back on the previous two years and I was like, because you don't get official license in California until you have gone through the entire supervision process of like two years. So I was just thinking back and I was like, man, that was so much harder than it really needed to be. Like it was so hard to try to navigate all of these things and figure out the clinical process. I had a really great supervisor, but even then I was, I was still wanting more. I wanted to connect with other social workers and other clinicians who were doing the work and be able to talk to them and learn from them. And, you know, almost like a mentorship or like a coach thing, right? We didn't, right. I didn't really, I wasn't able to find that when I was pursuing my license. And once I got it, I was thinking that there just has to be a better way. Like there has to be more support. And I was just totally burnt out by the time I got my license and just exhausted to the point of tears. And mm -hmm. I just knew I was like, you know, this can't go on. And it was terrible that this was almost like the industry standard. There wasn't, you know, people, I would tell this to people and they say, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's part of being in social work. That's what you signed up for. And I was like, <laughs> man, that is not normal or healthy. Cause I see my husband, he's a realtor that <laughs> they do not get burnt out. Like we do. Uh, right. We have, we handle so many, so many things. There's so many different areas of social work that it's just impossible to learn all of this in your master's program. So right. I wanted to create a bridge for people who are new to the field, who are in their last year of the master's program, or just, you know, just graduated within the past one or two years, and who need to really just get more confidence in guiding clients through the therapeutic process. So what does that even look like? And I partnered up with this really amazing colleague of mine, Leslie Rodriguez. So her and I go through the five modules, which is doing a proper assessment, assessing for all of the things, 
all of the things that they're, you're going to need for community mental health, for medical, really for any type of setting, the general assessment. And then we go into care planning and treatment planning. Uh, we talk about documentation because documentation is not always covered in our schooling, but it's one of those things that we need to know how to do. Employers expect us to have our documentation on point. And if we right. are, yeah, so if we're in our internship and our supervisor, maybe they try, but they just don't have the time and there's no one really to to really teach us these different formats and what's supposed to be included in it, then how are we supposed to learn? And especially right now with COVID happening, I'm talking to a lot of social workers who are feeling like they, they aren't getting the guidance and the support that they need. And that like really breaks my heart because they're in grad school and um, and so it makes me worried for our future, to be honest, um, because yeah. there's, it, it was hard when I graduated and now, you know, I just feel for the new people who are, are graduating right now that, that are really going, that are struggling, that are struggling. Yeah. So. And, and, and besides like, like they, they tell us all, all the time, uh, at least I, I hear it all the time. If it's not documented, it didn't happen. So, but knowing how to document, you know, it really takes. Uh, every agency is di is different. It doesn't matter where, even within the own city or on on borough or on town municipality. You know, everybody does things a little differently. So, if you're fresh out of school, not knowing how to properly document and really properly teach you in grad school and then you're working someplace and it's you know you're kind of behind the eight ball or, or right away and and a lot of these places they like to throw you into the fire depending what what exactly that you do and and you're like oh fresh new social worker and you're already burnt out without really like having all this mm -hmm. experience so. yes it's true and and you're right, every agency is going to be different, but there are core foundations, right? We can label our interventions. We can be able to uh, describe how a client presents, how, you know, what is their demeanor? How are they receptive to the interventions? What interventions are you actually doing? Like putting names to these interventions. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a good foundation to have no matter where you go. Yeah, absolutely. And when I when I saw that and, and what no on your site and just like just skimming through it and it was like, whoa, this is like really really in depth and like shoot, I wish I had that when I first started almost uh, over eighteen years ago and just you know, knowing how to how to do these different things and you know everything's trial and error and, and unfortunately with trial and error, you no know, you're you know, stuff that we do, we're affecting people's lives and you know, with trial and error, you know, it's not always going to get the job done, but without that necessarily training, training, it's, it's going to be trial and error. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that sucks to be honest, because trial and error, yeah, it sucks because you really want to help people. Your heart is in the right place, but you just don't have the, the skills or the knowledge or the people to bounce these ideas off of and to get that feedback. Because, you know, our ethics say we would do, what is it, we, we should act in the way that our peers would act or that's like, you know, acceptable across the industry. But how are you supposed to know what's acceptable across the industry if you're not connected to anyone, if you're not able to talk to anyone, if, if maybe you're the only social worker at your company? Yeah. Yeah. So, so those are the first two modules. <laughs> and then we go into um, the cognitive behavioral therapy module, which we just break down, you know, what it is and how to actually use it with the clients and what that looks like in real life with the sessions, how to use it to figure out a goal that they might need to work on or um, and help them learn it themselves so that they can do their own problem solving with it. And then we talk about skill sets that you can use to just help them go deeper into whatever it is that they're trying to, to work on. So skill sets like CBT, dialectable, dialectable, 
dialectical behavioral therapy, uh, genograms, uh, mindfulness, which is extremely powerful, um, deep breathing, the square breathing technique. So all of these things, how to use it with clients. And then lastly is going to be termination and formulating a safety plan with your client if they're expressing any kind of suicidal ideation. Um, and that's and then we we had the the group coaching aspect where uh, the people who are in the course can hop on a live Zoom call with Leslie and I and just ask questions, be more interactive, and we do some role plays around what this whole process looks like with a fictional character. Um, and I act that out. I'm a terrible actress, but <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I do my best. Yeah, but role play, role play is, is big. It, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's a lot of fun, especially when you're putting real life situations into things and and really see like firsthand, like you're experiencing it. Like whoa, like you you get that, you know, that experience of like wow, like okay, now I have a better understanding than just so. Uh, you know the acronyms that that we use and, and being at, and textbook stuff that from grad school and actually you know, put it in practice, like you said, in, in in real life, you know, real situations, and put it in practice and role play. That that that's great that you do that. How how can people uh, get get involved with, with with your program? So the first step would be to follow me on Instagram. I am always on there. I'm probably on there too much, to be honest, but I just love it. <laughs> I love interacting with other social workers. I just love it. Um, I am at social workers rise and you can find me there. You know, I also do a podcast, like you mentioned before, it's called social workers rise. And we've lately, we've been talking to social workers who are doing non-traditional social work things. So people who are working in the federal system, people who uh, talking about money mindset, right? That's not not necessarily traditional. Yeah. So um, that's been exciting. And just, you know, telling the stories and sharing the stories of other social workers, just like you do here. You know, I love it. I love it. It's just so powerful and so amazing. And, and I think you do a really good job of just helping people feel like they're not so alone, because, you know, yeah. there's number. Well, thank you. I yeah, think yeah, there's number, there's power in numbers. And we all need to, you know, just come together going forward. Um, I'm 2020 is a game changer. I don't know if you agree, but I'm excited to see how. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, I definitely. Um, no, we at least from I can speak for myself. Just having to pivot. You no, know, March came. Everything was, you know, shut down. I still had to go into the office for a couple of weeks after shut down and you know kind of pivot basically my whole life you know myself as a father of two and having you know my girlfriend step up and be like the full-time parent with the the remote schooling and and just you know what what we're having for lunch what we're having for dinner <laughs> early early bedtimes and different things of, of that nature and then she's telling me stories of how they the kids behave. I'm like, okay, you're not telling me anything new. <laughs> now you know firsthand what I got to deal with as, as a single dad every day. So between that and you know, I was caring for my parents and uh, you know uh, a couple of episodes on my podcast and you know, I'm mentioning about you know the loss of my mom during this whole COVID, whole COVID situation and still had the loss of of 10, 10 clients because of COVID and talk, talking about that. So and uh, then just, you know, actually learning new skills, you know, uh, uh, learning about, you know, the stock market and, you know, actually you know, investing money in stocks and, you know, learn about that and uh, real estate, especially now that I moved to Delaware. You know, my goal was to eventually get a house down here. So learning more about that and, and getting you know, my documentation together, you know, when I'm ready to, to that final step of my final goal and then I'll, I'll be ready to go for that so just learning those type of things and reading more and you know writing you know poetry and like short stories and you know just 
something creative just came came out of me and that was doing this podcast even more more frequently. So just pivoting, doing try to doing different things uh, in case you no know, something happened you know, with the job situation or things. Have like something else like to kind of like fall fall back on and you know, also a licensed Zumba instructor. So you know, eventually I'm trying to get back into doing something uh, vir- virtually or, or on my own. So you know, trying to do different different things or you know, open my mind up. You know, meeting people like 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 yourself. Instagram has been a great tool, and LinkedIn's been a a great tool, and been on LinkedIn more and try to engage with people on LinkedIn and and just going on different stuff and meeting people virtually or, or on Zoom. So it's been definitely uh, a lot of negative, but definitely it's been a lot of positive because because of COVID. Yes. Oh my gosh, that is. That is so much. So <laughs> I have so many questions for you. But um, first, I'm sorry, you know, for all of the loss that you have had during 2020. Um, that just makes everything so much harder. And being a single parent, I can't even like I literally cannot even imagine how that is because I am at home with with one daughter and my husband. And oh my gosh, it's been really really rough because. It's like every day is a repeat of the same day before, and like oh, it just blends together. Like yes. Day. yes. <laughs> and you know, people, we're just not meant to stay at home all together, twenty-four hours a day. Like you're just, we're meant to have relationships. And I did a full talk on this with NASW California for their state conference uh, last week. I did a full talk on how we need relationships in order to to just live our best life, right? Like we're designed as human beings to to need relationships and and you know, we need more than our spouse and our children in our lives. So <clears throat> I also am grateful for for you for reaching out and connecting. I I love it. Um and I have seen you on LinkedIn, so that's really good and um LinkedIn so powerful too. It's so powerful. I've heard I heard a recent stat that people are getting hired on LinkedIn more often than they are on actual job sites. Yeah, the, I, I've I've heard heard that. Uh, you know, actually, I guess now would be considered old school uh, on Indeed and and landed something with using Indeed, but there there was definitely a, a lot of job postings. Uh, on LinkedIn, uh, you know, I also you know follow uh, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, people know him as Gary V, uh, and he he talks a lot about LinkedIn being uh, how Facebook used to be in 2012, 2013, and he's very all about LinkedIn. So, like, kind of using that has as my influence. All right, and then get on LinkedIn a little bit more and just to see what's out there and. Uh, I, I got a, a podcast episode th- thanks to link, LinkedIn. So my my uh, addiction uh, episode w- w- was because of LinkedIn. So just you know reaching out, you know messaging people. Hey, I like like to interview you and and stuff stuff happens. So uh, definitely the power of you know the internet you know has been a, a blessing because I, I I was thinking. If we had this pandemic going on 15, 15 years ago, no, there was no LinkedIn, there was no IG, there was no Facebook. Like we, we really would be losing yes. our minds, like being stuck in the house all day with, no, with nothing to do. So it's uh, oh my gosh, we would be on you know, Facebook or no MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> MySpace, uh, <laughs> MySpace, uh, you know, me, me, gente, like for the uh, a lot of these other uh, up and coming sites at, at that time, or, or maybe just a lot of uh, Napster oh and LimeWire. <laughs> I remember that. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad we got past that, but. It was cool. It was well, almost I, like living the simple life. Oh, I, I love Napster and LimeWire. Oh my god, I still have some some of my some of my CDs that I, I made. Stop, it, do it, you? Classic hip hop songs <laughs> on it. That's awesome. Yeah, I gave. I don't know what I did with those. They're probably in a box somewhere. But I, yeah, same here. The, all the classic hip hop, like East Coast West Coast stuff. It was that was great. That was great. 
but so how 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 did you find a social workers rise how did you come up with the name like how you no know, how did that come about so that's a good question and i don't think anyone has asked me that question yet so you are getting some exclusive content um <laughs> so i was it was probably about a year ago maybe 11 months ago or so i got hired with my new job and I was, you know, all, starting off all excited, like, oh, yeah, I'm using my license, like, what, cool. And then it didn't take very long until I was like, oh, well, this isn't, like, mind-blowing. Like, I like my job, um, but it's not where I want to be forever. And and I'm kind of, I just felt like there was more for me. I felt like I had a higher calling. And I just couldn't shake that feeling of, you know, my self-reflection. Like there, there has to be something more for social workers. Like this isn't right. And I was just listening to Andra Day, the Rise Up song. And I had that on repeat and it was just resonating with me. And I was like, what if I just make it a call to action? Social workers rise. And yeah, and it just, it just stuck with me. And and I just liked that it was short, simple, it inspired emotion. It was a command and a call to action, um, which I feel like we needed. We had just been so, the industry has been so timid prior to 2020. And, and I was like, yes, this is what we need. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I just went with uh, it and, and I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it because I was thinking, I'm thinking I still am, you know, my goal is to change the industry, right. To be an industry leader. I didn't know how the heck to do that. I just knew I had to start somewhere and a company name and a podcast yeah. sounded like a great idea. So, so that's how <laughs> I started in, in 2020. And, and I really believe that we are called to do something, you know, like when we're called to do something, we just need to start it. We just need to do it. And the timing was perfect. Because uh, I, I did my first episode in January. And then Kobe died, which I'm in California. So it was like a huge loss. Well, it was a huge loss everywhere. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm still affected by, by it. I'm a, I'm a huge Laker yeah. fan, so that I'm, that, that really mm-hmm. hit me hard. And it's kind of, and it's kind of ironic because I literally was playing basketball on my son, and then come home and there's nothing on TV, and just flipping through the channels and watching golf just for like a couple of seconds. And the announcer was talking about this golfer was a huge Kobe fan. I'm like, I'm like, what? Like I didn't I didn't know about the the breaking news that was happening and like why is the announcer talking about the golfer being a huge Kobe fan like who mm-hmm. gives a shit <laughs> and I saw channels go up two channels and I, then I see the breaking news I'm like holy shit and then like all this news started popping up about well, Rick Fox his former teammate was on board or I saw a brief report about the whole family was on board and like it was just crazy minute by minute things were constantly changing so how was in you being in california how 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 was that it was it just terrible i mean so tragic i'm not even a basketball fan per se but i appreciate kobe i mean he was he was a spectacular person and and soul and he did so much for for la and he was just so instrumental and inspired so much hope. And, you know, he's a huge role model to so many people. And he, his daughter, oh my gosh. I mean, he, with the, his daughter went to school in Newport beach and I'm in orange County too. So in a sense, it was like losing a neighbor, you know, she's like physically so close to me. Um, and, and you, you just think of, you know, I'm sure you think of too, as being a parent, like oh my gosh, you know. Yeah, that was, that was a parent, and you no, know, you no, know, being a Laker fan, or you know, seeing him play his whole career. So I literally watched, you know, all his kids, you know, mm-hmm. grow up, and to see, you know, when they win all all, all the championships in the early two thousands, and hugging his kids and his wife, and to see them grow up, and then 
as you mentioned me as a dad, I was actually becoming a fan of his again as a father. Just you know, you seeing him on courtside in different NBA games and you know, taking his his daughter being a coach for his daughter's team and just you know his next ele- elevation just as a as a human and the things he he was doing and just being around you know his daughter talking about basketball all the time and you know you see the clips and then they constantly right after his passing just showing all the clips of her of, of him and and uh, Gianna was like really even extra you no know, heart heartbreaking though know, I, I felt like I, I I like I said I, I seen his kids you no know, grow you know, grow up in front of my eyes like all, all these years uh, and then just uh, an accident like that was Mm-hmm. Absolutely crazy. I mean, I it seemed to me like he was just getting started in his life. Like he did wow, basketball too. and now it was all I felt like it was his time to do whatever he wanted to do, right? He had this extremely strong foundation that he laid for himself and his family and and I was so excited to see what he would do next and and same thing for his daughter. I mean, she just was such an amazing amazing basketball player and amazing girl. So um, you know, it's still, it hit us really, really hard. And, and people, I knew some people who knew him, um, you know, via like whether they were involved in basketball and they would go to his camp or like, they would just, you know, say, Hey Kobe. And they like knew him from just going to the game so much. Um, you know, it was right. hard, but yeah. So, so I started, I started that podcast like two weeks before and I was like, oh man, I feel like I have to address this big event. And so my, I think my second or third episode was on celebrity grief and loss and, and why we mourn people, you know, we feel like we know them, you know, like you said, you know, we see them grow up and, and we know so much about them and, and we just feel like we know them. So um, you know, the feelings of grief are real. Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. And then uh so how so how long have you been in the field in, in total? I've been a social worker since 2009 when I got my bachelor's from Cal State Long Beach. And then um I went back and got my master's in 2015, also from Cal State Long Beach. And Awesome. What what made you want to get in the field? Oh my gosh. I I was just thinking about this today. I feel like I was just born to be a social worker and then life experiences really shaped me and and put me in that way because I've been in some like dark spots where people would show kindness to me and I they knew that there was no way I that I could ever repay them. There was nothing I could do for them. They were just being genuine and real and just wanted to help me. And those moments made such an impact on me and gave me such hope that I, you know, I just knew that I wanted to do that for the rest of my life. I just wanted to continue to help other people. And I didn't know how to go about doing that. I didn't know like what, what major could I choose in college to help me help people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I saw I was in my career development center because I had to pick a major and I was looking at sociology and social work and I they had these little handouts that talked about both of them and I really like sociology studying people and studying the behaviors and learning about different cultures but the difference the main difference with social work was that you also learn how to work with them and how to help them. So I, in my mind, I was like, okay, so if we are in an aquarium or a fishbowl, right? Sociology is watching the fish from mm-hmm. the outside, but social work is getting inside the tank and hanging out with them and working with right. them and helping them <laughs> in there. And that's what I wanted to do. And make sure that they... They they survive in the exactly. fish tank and and the skills that they need so that they they don't get eaten and you know thrive exactly in, in exactly the tank. we go into those dark corners where a fish <laughs> might have gotten lost and be like hey you okay 
<laughs> as opposed to sociology, they'll be like, oh, look, he's been in that dark corner for so long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I know, I'm a dork, I'm a dork. It, it's such a... <laughs> No, I love it. Like this, this is why this is why people got to follow your page because you bring that out on on your IG page and, and your your LinkedIn page. Like that's that's why like it drew me. Like I I, I gotta I gotta reach out. Like I, I gotta shoot my shot. Get get her on the podcast. And here we are. And, and I, I I love it. This is great. Uh, uh, I've been like tired, like almost like all day. I don't, I don't know if it's the bed I recently bought that is not, I thought was comfortable and it's really not, <laughs> but. Um, and then, like, I was doing a training for the for this. Oh, your audio went. So, I, so this definitely uh, live me up. This is the most awake I've been all day. And I... Oh, good. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I just, you know, wherever I go, I just want to have the most fun with it as possible. And, you know, just be energetic and energize other people. That's, that's what it's all about. Because, I mean, life is too short. That's what I learned in, in working with hospice is life is too short. You can't waste it. Yeah. Uh, so, tell, so tell me um, more about that. You specialize in oh, you know, med- medical social work, uh, specializing in uh, end of life care with you know, with older adults and, and the caregivers, how how has that been, uh, especially now with COVID? Because, uh, you know, initially uh, COVID was labeled as the uh, elderly uh, illness and obviously affects everybody, but initially when it first started. So how did uh, COVID affect uh, your line of work? Yeah, so that's a good question. I'm currently... So I I did five years with hospice, and now I'm in palliative care, which is a step before hospice. So people who are very, very frail, but they're not necessarily in their last six months of their life. So at first, it was actually kind of a good thing because my patients are typically not going out. They want to stay home and rest, and they're very tired. They're in pain a lot. So having everything virtual and having services being able to go to them was very, very helpful. And their family members stepped up and their community started stepping up more. And they said, you know, we don't, we want you to stay home, just rest, like feel better and we'll, we'll help you. Um, But what I'm seeing now is over these period of months, that has, it's kind of, you know, the support's still there, um, but people are tired. They're tired. They yes. are burnt out. Like the family is tired and burnt out. And yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely know firsthand. And because and, the job I just left, I, I was working with, with seniors. So I definitely saw the caregiver burnout and some care, caregivers don't want to be bothered. Uh, uh, so I definitely saw a lot of that. Now, now your elderly clients did they have like the the technology to to be reaching out to you, or the, the family members help them get get whatever they needed to to continue the sessions with you? So we would just do mostly phone visits, and the doctors okay. would do video visits sometimes. Um, and yeah, the the family members would help our patients, but there is some people who, who just, you know, they're, maybe it's a couple and they're both elderly and they both don't really understand the technology. So it, it has yeah. been a struggle and there are some people who this does not work for and is not a good thing for um, because sometimes people will downplay their illness. Um, yes, and absolutely. And, you know, I understand like some people will downplay it and some people on the opposite end will upplay it for, for more, you know, just maybe they're anxious or panicked or worried, or they want like more, more conversation or something. And so it's on both sides. So sometimes people will 
I'll say, oh yeah, you know, I'm fine. Like I'm fine. It's just a little, it's just a little pain, but you know, nothing, nothing big. And then they go to the hospital the next day and we're like, what the heck? <laughs> um, or on <laughs> exactly. the other side, we have people who I'm I'm dying and yes, then there's nothing exactly, wrong with them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so it's been it's been a challenge to get a handle of these people. And then sometimes you might be concerned about their safety because it's like, yes. okay, you're really weak, you're going through chemo, like it's just you and your elderly spouse. Are you really able to go to the bathroom by yourself? Like, what is going on here? Are you really able to keep yourself clean? Because if not, there's a lot of things that can happen that's that's not good. So just trying to get a handle on that while being sensitive and not insulting and not and just keeping that rapport with them. Uh, you know, it's yeah, that, that's definitely a fine line. Oh you know, no, with all that, I you know definitely agree. And then culture plays a big part with that. As well, I had a, a lot of uh, uh, work with a lot of uh, Latinos in, in New York, and definitely, you know, that plays a, a a part with that as well. On top of like like we said before, they're like it's like one extreme to to another. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, you're in the hospital. Or like I have all this going on, and then like you you would do the assessment, and they're they're really they might be anxious, but they're not physically nothing mm. physically going on with them so you get like you said before you get the two extremes and then it's like okay you gotta worry about making sure prevent wounds and pre- making sure they go to the bathroom or they need medical equipment that okay they can't reach the bathroom okay they need a, a commode and all these different things that you start to think about and then do they have enough space especially uh you know in new york you know, i've had a, a few clients that they lived in their same apartment longer than I've been alive and now that they're in their you know 70s and stuff you know their their apartments are not really suitable anymore for them to live in but you know they they can't move out so we we got to bring the equipment in to keep them you know, safe and you know just being for their safety and just you know live as independently mm-hmm. as possible so and then we have the other people too who uh, are in that same situation, but now it's not safe for them to to be at home, and they really need to go to a skilled nursing facility. But they don't want to go because then they'll never see their family. You know, maybe for the rest of their life. Because here, yeah. I don't know how it is in New York, but you know, here they're not really letting people. They're not letting visitors into skilled nursing facilities right now. And okay, yeah, same thing. And over so here. it's almost just it's it's awful. It's so awful. Um, to just yeah. to think about and and as clinicians, we take on that emotion. You know, we we take it on and oh yeah, absolutely. and we absolutely. feel it too. And yeah, and it yeah. it sucks just kind of just being like, well, here are your options, and they both suck. Um, you know, we're not going to say it like that, but <laughs> basically, that's how I feel yeah. when I'm talking to patients sometimes. Yeah, but you have to be honest with them as well. Like these are your options, and yeah, they're not the the greatest of options. But and and you gotta you know, throw in, you know, because of COVID, really mess you know, you know everything up. Like this uh, everything, you know, in terms of you no know, loss of life, and you know, for myself, for my mom, like I I had to when she passed, I had to ID her through oh, email. Oh man, that's <laughs> so, terrible. Yeah, so that that's how COVID was was crazy here in, in New York. So, um, and just you know dealing with you no know, with the with the elderly left and right in the nursing homes. Even now, still people not letting people in for for visitations. So, on the hospitals are uh, is a little bit lenient, um, unless there's like in a nursing home is there like an end of life situation um you know hospice type of thing they might that might be the one exception in, in the nursing home uh, but then i haven't heard too much regarding the uh, you know, regulations in, in new york and now that I'm, you know, I'm out the state you know uh, like, you know fresh off working with the elderly and you know, I, I haven't heard too much uh since then so that so you know three thousand miles away and it's the same, same mm-hmm. type of situation yep. 
which goes to show that we really are just so connected and we have so much in common, you know, wherever we are. People are people and we're dealing with the same kind of things and the similar systems. We all deal with Medicare (laughs) and Social Security. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, oh man, it's... uh... Is, is is a hot mess and unfortunately we work with seniors it doesn't get talked about and it, they definitely get affected in a lot of different ways all, all in one mm-hmm. shot and that's another area that we're not taught in grad school is about all of these like benefits so we might learn about the community benefits for children and families but seniors aren't they're not really like a sexy population to work with or to choose yeah I actually took a class in grad school about seniors. It wasn't like the most thinking back. Yeah, it was interesting. Maybe it was just the professor who who taught it, even though she was, uh, you know, that that was like her her passion, like her working with that population. But just I, I wasn't feeling that <laughs> that class, and the and I end up to to work with with seniors and definitely, and then see like the struggles and and just the stuff New York City and and the state does. And that that don't do for seniors is like, come on, like we need we mm-hmm. state need to get it it's together. It's really really sad. Yeah. Yep. It's true. All right. So so I know you got to get get ready for for your clients. So thank you uh, so much for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. I definitely will be talking on, on Instagram yeah, and, and I love on LinkedIn. It. Uh, and I'll... In the and by, by all means, if something pop, pops up, by all means, reach out to me. I'll definitely. Uh, I will. Thank you. you. And we got to have you on Social Workers Rise, too. Yeah, just all right, uh, I will. let me know. I'll talk to you later then. Okay. All Thanks, right. Boo. Have a Bye. good one, okay? Stay safe.